Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Thriving, Part 4, Peace and Patience, recorded Sunday, June 27, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, we've been working our way through a portion of Galatians 5, as, and as Parker said, we're looking for a life that has power, a, a life that's empowered by something greater than us. And the Bible says we can have that. Uh, I don't know if we always understand that or even can grasp that, so we want to learn about this. And here's the core verse that we're learning from, so if you would read this with me, this is Galatians chapter 5, let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Hopefully, if you've not already memorized that verse by the time we're done, you'll have that in your, in your database, your data bank. So we've established that our lives will bear fruit, and sometimes it's rotten fruit. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how I call it passion fruit. Paul calls it, calls it the acts of the flesh. And if you remember that, those verses, it says in Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if that's your life trajectory and you can pull those things in and that's just the way you're going to roll, it doesn't seem like it's going to turn out very well for you. Now, now we have this battle waging in us every day, this selfishness, this worldliness that wants to push against what God wants to do in our lives. Now, Jesus wants to transform you. He wants to make you a different kind of person. And last week, we talked about how love makes us look different. The kind of love that God produces within us changes the way the world sees us. And a church is a place where love looks different than any place else in the world. When it's it's internally motivated from the spirit love, it, it looks different in my home than it used to. It's a different kind of work environment because I'm there now with God's help. Love is the first outcome of the fruitful spiritual life. And really, like I said last week, the core of all these other, con- of all these other concepts. So when we're living our lives on that trajectory, it's going to produce things like joy and peace and patience, as we're going to talk about today. The famous psychologist and educator John Dewey said that the most useful virtue in the world is patience. Paul says that when we're thriving under the power of the Holy Spirit, inner peace produces patience. So apparently, John Dewey read the Bible. Because in Proverbs 16.32, it says, it's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. Now, I have found it's pretty easy to appear patient when everything is going my way. 
But what happens when things go the other way? Which is most of the time, <laughs> right? We have this phrase, you're testing my patience. Well, today I want to give you four ways to test your patience. It's a little self-test. Here's the first thing. The first test of patience is interruptions. And we all have them. We sit down to dinner and we finally got it all on the table and then everybody's phones start dinging and, and you're working on a deadline and you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to focus but customers keep interrupting you, the people who pay your salary ultimately. Uh, you're cooking dinner and there's a mess made by the kids in the living room so you got to stop and run to you. you know, you're, you're a teacher and you have a brilliant lesson plan prepared. But you also have Vanessa in the class who wants to ask questions at every turn. Yeah, teachers, I want to remind you, you still have a job. So, you know, that's coming, you know, that's happening. Our best plans are often interrupted, and we don't like it. Nobody likes interruptions. Jesus' disciples were human, and they didn't, they didn't like interruptions. As a matter of fact, there's this time in Matthew 19 where it's, it describes how Jesus was very busy, and they were trying to protect him from the mass of humanity wanting his attention and there were these kids that were just demanding his time and so they wanted to protect him from that they wanted to keep them away people brought little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them and pray for them but the disciples rebuked them Jesus said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these if you've been around this church for any length of time you know that we put a high priority on kids. And I will say, kids are a lot more work than most adults. But they are worth it because Jesus says they are. And so we don't see them as inconvenient or as interruptions. So how do you handle interruptions? Here's a second test. It's inconveniences. How do you deal with inconveniences in your life? I hate to be delayed. I, I, you know, we have this microwave mentality that we've all grown up in. We want what we want, and we want it right now. We got minute rice. We got instant oatmeal. We got Instapot. And I'm not just talking about Colorado. We got Instapot. We got fast food. We... Yeah. We don't like to wait. Now, 150 years ago, people didn't worry if they missed the stage. They'd said, well, there'll be one here in three days. We don't, we don't, we're not that patient. 100 years ago, you didn't know who won the war until a day later and read it in the newspaper, if it made the addition. Today, we go ballistic if Amazon has our, our shipment 15 minutes late, you know? Luke 10:40 tells about a woman who was struggling with patience. Her name was Martha. Jesus and his disciples had come to her home, her brother Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, his close friends. And, and she was busy with preparing food for them. And, and Jesus was teaching, and her sister Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening to the teaching. And she was getting more and more frustrated with her sister because she was doing all... You ever been in that situation, by the way, where you're hosting people and you really need a little help, and it's a lot of work, and you're really not having much fun... And, 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 it, and it kind of overwhelms you? Well, she had her hands full. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She was upset because of the inconvenience that all of this had created for her. 
and she'd lost focus that the fact that she had God in her living room, okay, and he was teaching lessons. And sometimes that happens to us. We get off track and we forget what's really important. And that leads me to another test of your patience, and that's irritations. Irritations are those little things in life that just bug you, that get under your grill, like we like to say. Like, it's, you know, how many of you are on-time people? Raise your hand with me. About half of you. Okay, how many of you love it, you on-time people, when you're in the car ready to get there, and you're waiting for someone else to get in the car? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You're, you, you're, you're speaking my language. I mean, that gets under our grill. It's not getting the stimulus check quick enough. By the way, you never got a stimulus check until like a year ago. So what are you talking about? You know, it, it's waiting for a long zip line line to get. How many of you got in a line last night and realized about 20 minutes in you were in the wrong line? I mean, that happened to some people. I was, it was fun uh, until, until they got angry at me. <laughs> Not really. It's really waiting for your football to rediscover winning. I'm, I'm, I've been, I'm, I'm getting impatient with that. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, uh, Moses, the Old Testament superstar guy, he was irritated with with uh, the people that he was leading, about two million people. It was a big crowd. And he's trying to get them from point A to point B, which is a, like there's a big desert in between and they got lost in it. And you probably know this, but in deserts, water is hard to come by. And he was really frustrated with people for their gripiness and their behavior. So, he, so God said, Moses, go speak to the rock and water will come forth. But he was really ticked off. So it says this, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, listen now, you rebels. He was in a bad mood. Shall we bring forth water out of this for you, out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. So now, here's the thing. God had told Moses to speak to the rock. Instead, Moses, in frustration and anger and impatience, struck the rock. And you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is that because of his disobedience, he was unable to enter the promised land with the people he led there. His impatience got him that. See, for many of us, our greatest irritations are people, people who just irritate us, people who slow us down, people who are demanding of our time and we want to put it somewhere else, people who have, have lots of needs that we get frustrated trying to meet. And so someone said this, learn the listen, lesson of the oyster. The oyster takes an irritation, a grain of sand, and turns it into a pearl. Well, that's cute. But irritations are still irritations. Easier said than done. Now, the fourth test of, inact of, of, of patience is inactivity. And it, this all kind of bleed together. The fact is most of us would rather do anything but wait. We hate to wait at the doctor's office. We hate to wait at the stop site. We hate to wait at the fast food takeout window. 
we hate to wait for the clerk who she and her apparent BFF are having a little reunion in the Menards checkout line while somebody else might be in the line who has a project at home that they feel like they need to get back to. And I'm not going to say who that was, but I can't, that makes me impatient. To some, right? I can't remember who told me this. You know, Andy Herkett's home today. It wasn't him. But anyway, somebody told me that, that he was in the Army or she. I can't remember who it was, to be honest. And our conversation went like this. I said, what's the hardest thing about being in the Army? And that person said, uh, waiting. Really? Yeah. I said, well, we, all we do is wait. We wait all the time. I think, I think the Army is all about waiting. As a matter of fact, that famous saying, hurry up and wait, guess where that came from? The Army. So we know it's a real thing. We don't like to wait. And what happens is, not just in the small things of life, but in the very big things of life, we get very impatient. Things aren't happening quick enough. We'd like them to speed up. We get impatient with God. And instead of trusting, we, we, we just then we take matters into our own hands. And friends, when we start doing that, that's when we go back to that passion fruit list. And we see what we're doing to wreck our lives because we didn't wait for God. We didn't wait for God in the areas of, you know, of our patience with each other. We didn't wait for God in the area of our human sexuality and how we want to live that out. We just said, no, i got to get ahead of God because I'm lonely. We don't wait for God because of, of uh, how we want things to happen in our workplace, our families, our churches. And we can all think of things, maybe several things, where waiting would have saved us a lot of pain and heartache. So what causes impatience? I would say it's right here in the verses we just read. I think what causes impatience is a lack of peace, a lack of inner peace. Because it's no coincidence that he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, that's there in that segmentation for a reason. So how do I do it? How, how do I become more patient? I don't know if I'm the right guy to give this message, so I'm just going to rely on the Scripture. You, you know, I'm, I'm the example in, in a certain sense, but probably not in the ultimate sense, but the Scripture gives us insight. The Bible reveals a four-part answer. First of all, Patience comes when I desire a new perspective. When I desire or develop a new perspective. When I find a new way of seeing the situations that normally set me off. Okay? Patience begins by changing the way I view things. So as I'm writing this sermon this week, I am like my... Like my you know, I'm on red zone when it comes to everything with me and patience this week, okay? So I'm learning lessons all the way through. When I am impatient, I realized I have a limited perspective of other people's challenges. And I just see it from my own perspective. And that's not a good thing. So the root of impatience is this is what I determined again in my life. This is probably a lesson I've learned 30 times in my life, the root of my impatience is selfishness. Selfishness. I need to get a new perspective. I need to learn things 
from how others see them, not just my own visionary viewpoint. Do you know what the secret of success is? The secret of success. I mean, if you want to be successful as a husband or a wife, you want to be successful in a courting relationship if you're dating someone, you learn to see life from their perspective and then adjust accordingly. If you want to be a successful parent, you learn to see life from your child's point of view. If you want to be a successful business person, you've got to see life from your customer's point of view. If you want to be a successful employer, you see life from your employee's point of view. Look at the situation from their perspective and make decisions based on that. And it'll completely revolutionize the way you deal with people. And the way you do that is you help, you help, to help them is to see the circumstances from God's point of view. Not just their point of view, but more importantly, how does God see them and how does God see you? Solomon, the writer of Proverbs says, acquire wisdom. That means see it from God's point of view. Acquire understanding. Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth, God tells us. One way to acquire wisdom is just to see things from God's point of view. That is why we are big on, and most churches are that understand the bigness of life, we are big on knowing the scriptures, being involved in Jesus and women, and rooted, and small group ministries, and what, what we do in Kid City virtually every day of the week, seeing things from God's point of view. We need to do that because, number one, we're only human. We're not God. Number two, no one is perfect, not even you. And number three, God is in control, and he uses every situation to make all of us better if we'll let him. Solomon says, a person's steps are ordered by the Lord. This means you might experience some divine delays, some heavenly interruptions, some stall outs when you want to go full bore because he wants to slow you down so you can see things the way he sees them. Second, our patience comes from developing a sense of humor, learning to laugh at your circumstances, learning to laugh at yourself. You are quite hilarious, I have to say. The Bible says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. You didn't even laugh at that. I thought that was kind of funny. Apparently not. But a, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. You know, we, we just know this. People who laugh live longer. <laughs> they, they're happier. Uh, they take things with a grain of salt more often. The, laughter is a tension dissolver. You know that. It's an antidote to anxiety. Uh, it's a tranquilizer without all the side effects. The only side effects to laughter is the side ache that you get from it. That's it. A lot of famous comedians come from broken, bad situations, really bad neighborhoods where, where it was a challenging place to live, and they, they had to be people who broke the tension because the tension would kill people. Uh, they come from homes that were broken where they had to be the ones that you know, lighten the mood when, when dad was ticked off or mom was in a mood or whatever. And, and they talk about their growing up and they say, I learned that 
because that's the kind of person I had become. If you laugh at it, you can live with it. That's what they're telling us. And besides, if you learn to laugh at your troubles, you're never going to run out of anything to laugh at. So life's full of funny situations. They get wrapped in aggravating circumstances. Will Rogers said this, I don't know any jokes. I just watch the government report and report the facts. See, he gets it. If you want patience, you get a new perspective, you acquire a sense of humor, and then also you need to deepen your love. Because to walk in step of the Spirit is, is to walk in the power of God's love in your life, the, the, the people he put in your life. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 is probably one of the most straightforward verses in the Bible. It says, love is patient. Bada boom, bada bing. I mean, there it is right there. Just boom. Patience. That means when I'm, when I'm impatient, I'm being unloving. When you love someone, you care about them. You care about what hurts them. You care about what they're concerned about. And you can, you can set your point of view aside long enough to come beside them and see theirs. See, when you're filled with love, almost nothing can provoke you to anger because there's no impatience. When you're filled with anger, almost anything can provoke you. When you're under pressure, whatever's inside you is just like a tea kettle. You know this. It's just going to blow up. So you have to deepen your love. I how Paul writes about this in other places. In Ephesians 4, he says, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord. In other words, he's sitting in a dank, horrible circumstance in a Roman prison. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. With all humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Why should I be patient with anyone? Why? Well, besides the fact that you're not in control of what other people do, and despite the fact that you're, you, God shows incredible patience toward you, you need to be patient because if you're a Christ in, you're a Christian, his powerful spirit is throbbing through you to exude that to others. And so I need to be patient because God has infused within me the ability to do so. Now, whether or not I access that, that's completely up to me, up to you. So here's another thing, depend on the Lord, because that's really the biggest step in developing patience. We have to depend on God. Patience is not merely a matter of just making a decision. Oh, I'm just going to be patient now. How'd that work out for you last time? I mean, you know, it just doesn't work that way. It's not a matter of human willpower. It's a matter of spiritual empowerment. And if God's patience is what you feel, if it's a genuine fruit of the Spirit that's coming from you, that fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have some peace that you feel about it. That's really, that's how you know. Peace and patience go together. If you're being patient and there's peace that comes from it, it's a pretty good indicator that you're right in step with God's Holy Spirit. Certain situations won't bother you the way they once did because there's something peaceful 
about your attitude and actions and you're depending on God and you're yielding to God and you're being empowered by, by God. Because friends, here's a fact. Patience is a form of faith. It's saying, God, I trust you. I believe that you're bigger than any irritation or, or you know, inconvenience in my life. I, I believe, God, that you have a hand in these things and that you can use me somehow to be a peaceful mediator in these circumstances. That's how we look at it from God's point of view. And I want you to think about this, how, how, how the, really the whole Bible is a book about people being asked to be patient. Think about this. Noah was 120, it was 120 years before the promised rain came to flood the earth. 120 years. Uh, for Sarah and Abraham, they waited 100 years to have their promised child. Moses was 40 years in the desert. Then he spent another 40 years because they got lost, leading the children of Israel to the promised land. That requires patience. Really, if you think about the whole Old Testament, it's a book about people waiting for God's promised Messiah to come. And none of them, you know, because the Old Testament ended about 450 years before the New Testament began, none of them saw it. Jesus came that much later. So, in the New Testament, you see it too. The disciples were told to go and wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come on them. Waiting, waiting. The hardest kind of waiting happens when you're in a hurry and God is not. It's hard to be patient when you're waiting for an answer to prayer. It's hard to be patient when you're waiting for a miracle to happen. It's hard when you're in a hurry and God isn't. But waiting patiently is evidence. Evidence of God's peace. God is never late. His timing is perfect. And he might not move according to your time frame, but he's always moving. And by the way, when it all comes together, we all say, oh my goodness, look how perfect God's timing was. But we have to wait sometimes to say that. Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Early in their psalm it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He'll do it. We're told to trust. We're told to dwell in the land of, to delight ourselves in the Lord, to commit our way to the Lord, and then to wait until he responds. Because here's the bottom line. God longs for us to trust him more than anything else. And when we trust him, he can do anything. Lord, as we commune today, we're entering into this moment of remembering and celebrating, hoping for, waiting for something that's to come. Uh, when you conquered sin on that cross and when you sent the Holy Spirit into your people a few days later, you initiated the kingdom of God on earth. And even though it's a couple thousand years later, that kingdom is still on earth, and it's comprised of your people. And 
For generations and centuries, people have waited. And they've thought, maybe this will be, it'll be my lifetime when Jesus returns and he takes this kingdom of God and ushers it in to eternity. And yet we wait. We wait and we hold on with a promise. A promise that you forged on a cross and from an empty tomb where you said, do not be afraid. Trust in me because I've got this. So, Lord, whatever people bring to this room today, may we lay it all aside and in hope, in peace, and in patience, may we see you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the many titles that the scriptures assign to Jesus, it calls him the Prince of Peace. And, you know, when you hear a message like this, especially if you're in disquiet in your soul, like you're just struggling mightily with, you know, patience and even patience for yourself. You're very frustrated with yourself. You're frustrated with people around you. And you see that you're really tense about that. It's probably showing you something very important about your relationship with the Prince of Peace. Now, for some of you here, You've never made peace with God. He's offered it to you, but you've never taken the step of, of yielding your life to him and, and saying, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. Oh, I need you. <laughs> and so for you, your step is to come forth out of that, the shadows of that and say, here I am, God. And, and what we'll do is we'll help you to take the step of baptism like you witnessed today. Because the scripture says that when we are obedient to God that way, that he infuses us with power to live our lives differently. And so if you're missing that, it's pretty obvious what your first step is, is to yield to God and say, God, I can't do this myself. And then to walk forward for baptism. And so if we can help you with that, let us know. Stop at the hub before you leave. That's at the exits. And just say, I'm ready to take this step with God that I've not before this time ever taken. Now, for some of us who have already, you know, we're, we're supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit because we took that step somewhere in our life, but we've gotten off track, that can happen. And so there's this reset button we have to push. It's called repentance. And so what we do is we just say, God, I've, I've, I've strayed from you in this area of peace and I haven't been living in peace. And I need that. I need it with all my heart. And so we confess our sins. He's faithful. He's just. He forgives us. He cleanses us. And he pushes the reset button. And again, we'll help you with that. But that's something you can do on your own too. No matter what, it's hard to live in this world unless you're at peace with yourself. And there's no way you can be at peace with yourself unless you make peace with God. And so take that step. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.